Hello, it is Femi and my dad from <laughs> from Don't Apologize for Apologetics Home Edition, and we are here to bring you three new questions. And we thank you for listening and for all the listens on the last one. And we did not mean to take a hiatus, but it just happened. But happy New Year anyway. And God bless you. Amen. So let's just jump right into the first question. That sounded kind of uh, happy New Year. <laughs> you want to say it better? No, that's okay. No, happy New Year, everybody. There you go. So let's jump right into the first question. All right. What is the dif the difference between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism? My dad says that I have a very good summary. Yeah. So, let's start with the similarities and then we can see where the differences are. So, similarities. Let's just say, we both believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. We both believe that he is God in human flesh. Mm -hmm. And we both believe that he died on the cross and rose, rose from the dead on the third day. Mm -hmm. The difference between... Roman Catholicism and Protestantism kind of starts at the cross. Protestants, we believe that the blood of Jesus and faith in him is what gets us into heaven. Salvation. Salvation by faith alone. Mm -hmm. And it says, it is the gift of God and that not of works, lest any man should boast in Ephesians 2.8. So, Roman Catholicism teaches, yes... You're giving God's grace through the cross, but you still have to do these other things to kind of really measure up and earn it. It's like you have the key, but you, you're not at the gate. So it's saying like you have to add on some stuff. Like Jesus wasn't enough, honestly. That's basically kind of what they're saying. Jesus dying wasn't enough. Like you gotta make some effort. You gotta, you gotta add a few things to it. You gotta add a few items. Mm -hmm. Sacraments. Mass. That's one, yeah, one of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. And in the Middle Ages, they were the indulgences and climbing up the steps, praying the Lord's Prayer for like, I don't know, like a hundred step, a hundred flight case, staircase. Yeah, yeah, that's what Luther was doing. Uh huh. Trying to, trying to get God's acceptance. Uh huh. Basically, like working for God's love. And Protestants, we believe that you don't work for God's love. God already loves you. Working to be justified. Uh, working to be justified and for God's acceptance. You don't, in Protestantism, we realize that we don't work for God's love. We work because we are thankful exactly. for God's love. Exactly. We are thankful for His grace. The exactly. works we do are to show how thankful we are and that God is so, has so much love that we want to show that love off. Yeah, and exactly. And to and to acknowledge his authority, mm -hmm. you know, so and to we, acknowledge his power as well. Yeah, acknowledge his power and acknowledge his authority in our in our lives. It's like we've been saved. We realize mm -hmm. that God is God. Yes, God is the King, and if He says we should do this or that, then, or the other, then we should do it, mm -hmm. and we should do it. Because he's God, and we, we understand that now, mm -hmm. and we realize, and we thank him for the salvation. But It's yeah. honestly like having blinders taken off your eyes. Yeah, it is. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I'm on God's planet. Well, I guess I ought to do what he says, shouldn't mm -hmm. I? You know, oh, he saved me too. Well, thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Amen. You know, I'm, uh, it's a very 
you know, mundane way to put it, but that, you know, bottom line, that, that's it. We're not working because... We have to earn it. You got to earn it. Oh, oh, oh he's going to strike me down if, if I don't do this work. Oh, I'm going to fall into fall into the pit if the Lord doesn't... Uh, if I don't smile at my neighbor today. <laughs> if I don't pray a, a thousand prayers. If I don't like uh, enough If candles. I don't buy indulgences. And if you don't know what indulgences are, basically in the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church was telling the citizens who did not have access to the Bible at that point. They, they made it so that they, they could not have access. It was, it was illegal for them to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. They were basically saying, if you buy this piece of paper, you buy your way into heaven, or you buy your relative that's already died out of purgatory, mm -hmm. which is a place they made up, because it's nowhere ever mentioned in the Bible. Purgatory is basically what they call a place between heaven and hell. But really, that's earth. More, more or less, if, if there's a purgatory, it's already earth, and we're alive, and then when we die, then that's what, then we go to heaven or hell. We don't wait for anything. It's either or. No amount of time in between. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the book, the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, it's, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. Mm -hmm. Tw Hebrews 27. Okay. It's Hebrews 27. I'm 90% sure it's Hebrews 27. I don't think Hebrews has 27 chapters. So, 927? Okay. Is it 927? Yeah, it is! Uh -huh. I was right! <laughs> Excellent. So, you want anything to add on? Um, you know, whether you touched on salvation and um, Protestants, basically, uh, it's believe that salvation is by Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is one of the primary points. And the other, how, how we get to that point is another point of difference. Both the Roman Catholic Church and Protestants take the scripture as authoritative. Mm -hmm. But the Roman Catholic Church also takes church tradition church teachings, church uh, pronouncements as just as authoritative as the scripture. Whereas the Protestants are like, it's just the scripture first, last, end of story. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have scripture to uh, go by exactly on any particular issue, we still start from the scriptural basis. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the foundation and that's the last word. But there's hardly a subject in the Bible that is not covered. It doesn't have doesn't have some some aspect of it or some uh, foundational basis mm -hmm. where, you can, where you can begin from. There's hardly ever anything in the Bible that you won't have something to talk about. There are existential crises mentioned in the Bible. There's a whole book on an existential crisis. It's called Ecclesiastes. Yeah. If you're wondering, if you're like wondering about stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting place to go with that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> there no, is. No, exactly, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, because a lot of people nowadays really are having a lot some, of existential crises. Some, some, people, some people really are. Some so if you're having are. an existential crisis, I, well, first of all, I would recommend reading the, 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 Gospels, the Gospels and then, like, moving back to Ecclesiastes and reading just a little bit at a time because it gets kind of dark. And if you're already in a dark place... I would suggest reading a little bit at a time and then going back and forth to the gospel because that that is filled with hope. Yeah, stay in the gospels. Mm -hmm. Stay in the gospels as long as you can. Mm -hmm. The book of John. Uh, I like Luke. 
I love Luke, but if you're having issues, I like John. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a little bit clearer understanding, I like Luke. If you're looking to get through it quickly, go to Mark. <laughs> if you want to be, uh, if you want to dig deep in, into some history, if you want to have to take some time and dig a little bit, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. But um, but stay in the Gospels. Look at Jesus if you're having any kind of crisis along that line. Because mm -hmm. he is the hope. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, you know, as Christians, sometimes people who have been Christian for a while, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years, get to places where it's like, what is this all about still? Mm -hmm. Just because we are not uh, just because we are. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, different people get at different places at different times in their life. And the book of Ecclesiastes kind of clears the cobwebs. Mm-hmm. Kind of clears the cobwebs. By the time you get to the end, uh, at the very least, you should be at the point where you're like, well, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but... God is still constant. God is still constant, and I need to move with God. Mm -hmm. God hasn't gone anywhere, even if I don't feel the best way I need to feel right now. Mm -hmm. Or the way I feel like I should. Yeah, you just stick with the Lord and keep moving. The feelings will come along at some point, mm -hmm. or Jesus Christ will come along at some point and take you out of it. Mm -hmm. So, But you just keep trusting God and keep moving forward. Because He is faithful. But uh, back onto the Roman Catholics. We went all over. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, sorry. That's, no, that's cool. Um, the, uh, the authority of Scripture is a place where the Roman Catholics and the Protestants differ. And then three more things. I'll just mention them quickly. is the uh, communion or Eucharist, mm -hmm. bread and the wine. Oh, yeah, that's so weird. Uh, Roman Catholics. Uh, and I'm not sure how widespread this is at this particular point, but I, I know it is still part of Catholic doc, doctrine, something called transubs, transubstantiation, I believe, is what it's called, where when the priest uh, in the Mass makes his pronouncement over the wafer and the wine, it literally transforms into some literal effect of Jesus Christ. So you're literally taking in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Protestants don't go there. Protestants believe what the what Jesus said. Do this immemorial of me. Mm -hmm. At the Last Supper, he gave out wet bread and wine. He didn't give out portions of his body and or cut himself or do anything like that. He it was just a act of memorial and symbolism. But um, that's a difference and different. Uh, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, there's a lot of hemming and hawing around it whenever I've asked uh, Roman Catholics about it. But the doctrine is, is written into their official church tradition, which they take as authoritative. So, But uh, the other two items would be the priesthood itself, whereas the Roman Catholics tend to have a very hierarchical structure and a very definite distinction between priest and the court laity. The Protestants tend to understand from the scripture that every believer is a priest. And some 
believers have different positions. Some of them are pastors or teachers or evangelists, but we're all part of the priesthood. Uh, then the other item I mentioned, so we mentioned five things, the authority of Scripture, salvation, their aspect of uh, their understanding of salvation, communion, the priesthood, and lastly, I'll mention just the veneration of Mary that the Roman Catholics mm -hmm. kind of get into to varying degrees depending on who they are. And there's aspects of certain uh, Roman Catholic theology that says that Mary is actually sinless. And, Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that she is a co-mediator with Jesus Christ. That's... Never mentioned in the Bible. Never mentioned in the Bible. Exact, the exact opposite is mentioned in the Bible because the Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, mm. the man Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure where the Roman Catholics come up with Mary being a partner in salvation. I'm not sure how that works, but that is something that is in Catholic theology. Again, uh, different Catholics, I'm sure, take... Uh, various stances on that but it is part of part of the thing and they mary is a blessed woman and they're you know and the magnificent specter but yeah go ahead what were you gonna say the magnificent she says blessed uh my soul magnifies the lord my savior yeah you don't yeah. need a savior if you've never sinned exactly my spirit has rejoiced in god my savior Luke 1, 47. So, she, uh, she was a chosen vessel of God. Mm-hmm. Chosen vessel of God. A very special woman. Very special sister. Mm-hmm. But she is not a mediator in any aspect uh, that Protestants would understand it. You know, or the scripture even talks about. So, mm -hmm. again, you get into the whole... All of these things come back to the authority of Scripture when it comes right down to it. Mm -hmm. So, authority, salvation, Eucharist, priesthood, and Mary are five, five items that kind of highlight some of the major differences in uh, Roman Catholicism and Protestant, Protestantism. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and, you know, we have to be thankful for the Roman Catholic Church, though, because technically from, the, like, around 400 to until the Protestants showed up and basically were trying to point the Catholic Church back towards the original, what the Catholics call a primitive church. That's rude. You know, well, that's what they call it. They call it the primitive church from the time of Peter to maybe around 300. The Roman Catholics were the church. Mm -hmm. you know, there was Eastern Orthodoxy and there was some stuff going on in other places because of course God sent out missionaries but um, it just kind of got a little bit convoluted and a lot of things got added on and the Protestants were trying to clear away a lot of the excess baggage that got st stuck on along the way but uh, but yeah that, that about covers that. Yep. So, as much as I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about the sum of it or summary. If you want to learn more, you can look it up yourself. 
Yeah. Don't forget to be Berean and look it up. But mm-hmm. on to the next question, which is a touchy topic, especially for us, because it deals with race. <laughs> so this question is mostly kind of heard in America, too. It's mostly an American thing, like, how can you be a Christian? Wasn't Christian used to enslave black people? Christian and the question is phrased wrong, I believe. It should be wasn't Christianity misused to enslave black people? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was misused to to enslave black people. We are black, so we should know. <laughs> Black person said this one must be true. <laughs> so, part of the reason that this question comes up is because in the plantations, the African slaves are also forced to become Christian as well. And yeah. when they came, when they became Christian, they read the Bible for themselves. And if you've done any into looking, what looking at, the history, looking, at the history. looking at history of slaves and what they did. Their pretty much the favorite song or song genre was a song that in that was inspired by the story of Exodus. Were songs that were inspired by the Exodus and, mm-hmm. and uh, the which the story of Exodus covers the Exodus from slavery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly, and. They read the Bible for themselves and they realized that the people who were saying that they approved of it because the Bible said so were lying. They were lying and lying to themselves. Because if they really had seen this kind of behavior in the Bible, they wouldn't have kept on doing it after they were freed. Maybe, maybe. I mean, some people do things that are self-destructive, so maybe it's, it's hard to say that they wouldn't have. But there were plenty of people who were, you know, even Frederick Douglass, he mentioned that there was hypocrisy in what was what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And the abolitionists themselves, most of them came from a Christian perspective mm-hmm. and talked about the immorality mm-hmm. of slavery. Such as and, John Brown. Yeah, and John, Brother John Brown, Brother John Brown. <laughs> He was like, look, I'm going to kill y'all because y'all are disobeying God and being wicked with this slavery crap. We do not approve of killing anybody. We do not approve of killing people. But John Brown had a point. He made his point. His point was completely based on his understanding of Scripture. And most of the abolitionists were the same. I mean, the abolitionists who were uh, working with the Underground Railroad, the white abolitionists who were working with the Underground Railroad, a lot of them were Quakers, mm-hmm. and they were understanding of Scripture that slavery was wrong. Wrong, but um, and William Lloyd Garrison, and even people who were not Christian from the uh, Revolutionary uh, Revolutionary War times, Thomas Paine, who wrote, wrote Common Sense, who wrote Common Sense, which helped spark the revolution. He also wrote an anti-slavery book, and he pointed out. Even though he never claimed to be a Christian, he pointed out that the Bible itself shows that slavery 
is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh... William know, Wilberforce. Before I get to William Wilberforce, all of the uh, people who are well-known from the Revolution, George Washington, Patrick Henry, Thomas Jefferson, in all of their writings and uh, many of their speeches, they were using slavery as a metaphor of how horrible they were being treated. They knew in their heart of hearts. In their hearts, biblically and just civilly, mm -hmm. that slavery was an abomination mm -hmm. that should not be put on anyone. Mm -hmm. They knew it. They knew it. And uh, William Wilberforce in England was a parliamentarian Christian. He felt the Lord had led him to create the legislation that would ban slavery in England and all of the uh, mm -hmm. all of its colonies. And when he started out, he the vote that he got, he was the only person who voted for his own legislation. And he stayed in Parliament for 50 years and worked for the abolition of slavery. And after 50 years of work, finally slavery was banned in England and in the colonies. Uh, and Basically, mm -hmm. the whole abolitionist movement was a Christian movement. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as far as uh, the Bible being used as a tool to promote uh, slavery in the United States and uh, in the Western world, yeah, there were some people who, who did that, who misused it, just like mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm. They misused it. And some of the things they tried to use were misrepresentations of scripture of certain scriptures talking about the curse of Cain which the curse of Cain is supposed to be uh, black skin Bible doesn't say it's black skin the curse I'm sorry not the curse of Cain well yeah the curse of Cain they, they mentioned the curse of Cain and the curse of Canaan because the curse of Cain was supposed to be black skin but all the people who were descendants of Cain died in the flood okay so that's that's they're not even on the scene. Then they try to put it on Canaan. Well, Canaan, you have the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham had children. One of his children was Canaan. He was the father of the Canaanites, not the father of people who lived in Africa. Father of people who lived in Canaan. Mm -hmm. And basically all of them were wiped out. That was the curse, and that's how the curse was fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So, again, misuse of the Bible. Uh, as far as anything else is concerned, um, promoting slavery, you know, sometimes people will try to go back and say, that, oh, well, the Bible allows slavery in the Old Testament and, and Paul allows uh, slavery. That's indentured servitude by their standards. By, yeah, by, by the standards of America, that was not uh, the same. It was not the same kind of slavery. Uh, that was meant they, to pay off a debt and was for a certain amount of time for the most part. Yeah, and a lot of times people were selling themselves into slavery. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially in, in the Old Testament, and you know, there were ways to get out of slavery, and it was not something that was promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a difference in the uh, in the Bible from things that are promoted and things that are allowed. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Jesus, when he was asked about divorce, um, Jesus mentioned this and said, hey, you know, there, God allowed you divorce, but that's not the way it was from the beginning. God never instituted slavery. Mm -hmm. He allowed it. But it wasn't something that God instituted. Mm -hmm. And uh, slavery in the, in the New Testament, you know, in the Roman era, it was widespread. And I think I heard somebody say that, you know, there may have been maybe about, I don't know, maybe about between 50 and 70% of the people in the Roman world were slaves. But, you know, your doctor was a slave, your, your uh, banker was a slave, the, you know, everybody was designated, quote, quote, a slave. That was, that was the way the situation was set up uh, for most people. Most people were, were slaves. And it wasn't based off of race. It wasn't, it was something that was for whatever you know, horrible reason, mm -hmm. you know, the way that they decided to, to live and do commerce. But again, slavery has been something that Christians have understood even from, even during the Middle Ages, there were Christians writing about how slavery is godless. Mm -hmm. And even Paul, when he mentioned, said there is no slave. There is no slave. Everybody who was a slave, even during his time, said if you're a slave, then you are a brother if you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. You are a brother. Mm -hmm. And you should treat your brother like a brother. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not a matter of, you know, it's, it's a working relationship and people can be... Uh, stubborn. Stubborn, but uh, slavery is not something that is promoted. It is something that is allowed. And it's in, not even in allowed in the, in the sense that we were talking about before. It was allowed more like indentured servitude. Right. It's not the same. Not the same connotation. Not the same type of uh, situation. And, and definitely not just a, a race-based slavery. That's, mm -mm. that's for sure. Mm -hmm. There's no race that is superior. There's just the human race, okay? It's just the human race. And again, this is where you come back to where you, uh, where you begin. Do you begin from Adam and Eve where everybody is... Uh, coming from the same family, or mm -hmm. do you begin from a monkey? If you b begin with a monkey, then you can, uh, and there are people even today, if you go into some scientific websites or some evolutionary websites, you'll, you'll find people that, are, that will say that, you know, some people are closer to monkeys than others. But then on the other side, you've got other people, if you look at it and say, well, there's basically no difference between any race, and technically there's no scientific uh, way to determine any kind of a race, period. But if you look into the scripture, you know, you already know that. We all came from Adam. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else, everybody came from Eve. I mean, everybody came from Adam and Eve, and everybody came from Noah mm -hmm. and his family. So we're all, we're all related. We're all human beings. We and are no, family. Family. And there's no need, there's no need for people to be uh, pretending to be better than somebody else and all this or deluding themselves. Or deluding themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's just pride. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just pride. It's just another way for the enemy to uh, divide and conquer human beings. Bleh. You know. So, uh, but uh, just part, just part of the lie. Mm-hmm. And so, on to the last question for this. Uh, let me let me mention this. Oh, as one well. more. 
because you know in in America you know you come up to some African American brothers and sisters and they'll say yeah you know following that white man religion you know that thing that the colonials put on us that Christian religion but then they'll become some of them will become Muslims and Muhammad had slaves Muhammad had black slaves Jesus never had any slaves mm -mm. Muhammad promoted slavery in Muslim countries Muslim countries were some of the last places to uh, ban slavery in some Muslim countries slavery is still legal mm -hmm. and uh, it's there's there's some even history that's right in some of the uh, Muslim texts that talk about how unfairly Muhammad treated black slaves mm -hmm. as far as trying to move from Christianity to Islam or even the nation of Islam. In one sense, you're going from the fire pan into the fire mm -hmm. if you if you think there's a problem. Mm -hmm. So well, I just wanted to add that in there. But anyway. Oh, that was good. But on to the last question of this podcast night. <laughs> what did Jesus say about obeying him versus the state? So, the state... Okay, so this is the way it's described in the New Testament when the Romans were in power and the Jews were subjugated. Be a model citizen and listen to what they say until they tell you to do something that goes straight up against your faith. Like in Daniel, when he was in Babylon, he obeyed the king. He was a, he was like almost second in command to the king. And he obeyed what the king told him until the king wrote a decree saying, you have to only pray to me for 30 days. He's like, okay, well, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Right. Exactly. But there are, you know, there are different types of government. And you, when you think about church versus state, it is still a biblical principle, church and state, to be, like, have a link because you get your laws from the church, basically. Because where do you get... You get your morals. You from. get your morals from the church, and that's where the laws come from. Do exactly. not steal. Do not cheat. Mm -hmm. Do not lie. Exactly. Do not kill. Exactly. Those are the basic moral laws, exactly. and we get that from the word of God. Exactly. Exactly. Especially in the Western world. That's where that's where the laws are based from. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are wondering, you know, even something as simple as marriage. Because at this point, you know, people are questioning, oh, marriage, what is marriage, blah, blah. In the 70s, they said it was just a piece of paper. Now, uh, some people saying, well, it's, you know, it's supposed to be, it's a right for everybody. Before, it was just a piece of paper and you could get a divorce, you know, like that. And that's why they wanted to kind of minimize, but now they want to make it into a right. So, it, it, you know, but where does marriage come from? Where does the idea come from? You know, it's all around the world. But in the Western culture, marriage is something that's understood that comes, again, from the Scripture. Mm -hmm. And it, it was put into Western laws all over, all over Europe from the scriptural basis, the mm -hmm. scriptural understanding. And marriages were done in the church. Mm -hmm. Marriages were... Officiated by pastors. Officiated, yeah, officiated by pastors and priests and people who had the authority from God. Mm -hmm. So that's where the law came from. Yeah. That's where it came from. If you want to uh, 
pretend that it comes from somewhere else, where are you going to make it? Did it come from monkeys? No. No. You know, monkeys don't get married. Mm -mm. You know, did it, where, did it, where does it come from? Where does the concept even come from? Why is it one man, one woman? Why, why is it for life? Mm -hmm. where, where, where is that, you know, and that's something that's all over the world. That's mm -hmm. an inch, that should be, a, you know, a clue. That should be a clue mm -hmm. to people that, you know, this universal contract mm -hmm. that we have. That is celebrated, that's celebrated no matter what culture all, you go all, to. All over the world. All over the world, you know, may have been started by somebody other than. A uh, human. You know, so, but that is just one example of the laws that we have uh, and that we all that we all adhere to and uh, when people start to start to question where the laws come from you end up either laws are made up by people arbitrarily based on feelings or based on pragmatism mm -hmm. or they are rooted in supernatural revelation mm -hmm. and understanding of who we are mm -hmm. based on the scripture in different cultures you know they start from the first and some people will throw in some religious uh, ideas you know the, mm -hmm. uh, the king pretended that he would you know kings from other cultures would pretend that they were direct descendants from God and therefore uh, I get to marry 15 women no, nope, that's no, no. So, oh, I get to marry as many women as I want, and no. I, get, I get to take your, your, your wife. You know. No. It's good to be the king. No. So, uh, but as far as the ch separation of church and state goes, when it comes right down to it, in the United States, something that that particular concept was around for a long time since the Middle mm. Ages. But it, is that it? Oh, okay. Um, from the uh, around from the Middle Ages, but it didn't get codified into law until in the United States. Um, Roger Williams actually set it up so that people actually had freedom of conscience, and the state was staying out of people. Rhode Island religions. Yeah, R Roger Williams was the founder of Rhode Island, and uh, Rhode Island was the only state that did not have a state religion, and that particular. Uh, that particular idea was brought into the Constitution as well. Um, okay, the um, like Benny mentioned in uh, Romans thirteen, Paul talked about how powers it be, and that was the Roman government and the local rulers, because he said they were ordained by God. It was their job to punish crime. That is what God has ordained the state to do: to look out for. The basic things we understand in the Ten Commandments, uh, and he said that uh, we're also supposed to, uh, because God has ordained them, that we should go ahead and pay our taxes and respect and, the authority and, and respect the authority, just like you mentioned, just like Daniel respected the authority, the authority, just like uh, Joseph in Egypt respected the authority. Mm -hmm. um, so. So, yeah, the, uh... Just like the Apostle Paul respected the authority of the Pharisees and Sadducees, even though he was being slapped around and told to shut up. 
Exactly. He respected the authority of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he also respected the uh, Roman authorities mm -hmm. and, and actually understood Roman law uh, well enough to uh, make it work for him in several occasions. Mm -hmm. When they were trying to throw him in jail, he would throw a couple of bits of Roman law at him and make him f and force him to actually uh, obey their own law mm -hmm. to help get him out of uh, a couple of jails. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, you know, even... Even Jesus uh, recognized a certain amount of separation and the authority of the uh, Romans had at the particular time that he was uh, alive when the Pharisees came and asked him whether or not they should pay taxes. Mm -hmm. That was in Matthew 22. Uh, they came up to him and said, uh, should, we pay, should we pay taxes to, to Rome, Caesar? To Caesar. And Jesus said... Show me a... Uh... Denarius. And he said, Whose portrait is on this, and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him alone. So they left him alone. <laughs> they left him alone for five minutes. They showed <laughs> But yeah, you can apply that even to today in, in America with the dollar bill. A dollar bill, and they say... Uh, why should I be taxes? Uh, let me see a dollar bill. Who, whose picture is on it? George Washington. George who? Washington. Oh, okay. Give to Washington what is Washington's. So. And give to God what is God's. And give to God what is God's. So there is a separation, a, a, a natural separation. And even in the uh, Jewish, uh, in the Old Testament, when God set up the nation of Israel, the priests were ordained to do certain things, and God was supposed to be their king. Mm -hmm. There were a few judges that showed up every once in a while, but when a king did show up, uh, God allowed a king. The king was never supposed to have the priestly duties, and the priests were not supposed to take the duties of the king. Mm -hmm. There was a separation. There's a judicial, uh, I suppose, and then a uh, theological authority and those two at, at this point separation of powers makes more sense than not mm -hmm. oh, so yeah that's 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 about all i want to say about that so yeah but um i did want to mention one thing about the race thing again mm -hmm. you know um god said that uh and Jesus said, God said in the Old Testament with Moses, and Jesus repeated it, the two main things, love God. And love, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And in the... Good Samaritan. One, in the Good Samaritan story, somebody challenged him, you know, who is my neighbor? In the Good Samaritan story, Jesus basically said that... Uh, Everybody's your neighbor. Doesn't matter what their race is, because Samaritans were a mixed race people that the Jews didn't like because they were mixed race, and Jesus used them as an example of the hated Samaritan actually doing what God said you're supposed to do: mm -hmm. love your neighbor, no matter who they are, mm -hmm. whether or not they like you, whether or not they like you or not, or love you or not. The Samaritan picked the guy up, 
put him on his donkey, took him to some place, tried to take care of him, and told the person at the end, if he costs you any more money, I'll pay it when I get back. That is being a neighbor. Mm -hmm. That is what human beings are supposed to do for each other. Uh, Essentially, we're supposed to wash each other's feet. Take care, exactly, exactly. So that's... Uh, the whole race thing is not is not logical. No, it's not, and uh, it is, and it's ungodly. And it's honestly like the biggest issues are in America when it comes to race, mostly. Well, well, For the most part, anyway. Well, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a big issue. Mm-hmm. But like and just thank, like the sheer amount of it. Yeah, this year has it's been a, a lot of people talking about it, but. Uh, it's a bit, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated topic. We could talk it, for a while on it's, it. It's a complicated topic, but bottom line is basically treat everybody. The way you want to be treated. The way you want to be treated. That's, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. So, so, right. so yeah, thank you for listening to Don't Apologize for Apologetics. Don't forget to be Berean and look into this stuff yourself as well. Yeah. Because... These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness mind and searched the scriptures daily. Whether those things were so, therefore many of them believed. Amen. Alrighty guys, thanks for listening and thank you for so many listens on the last one. And thank you from, for the people all over the world that are listening. I'm so glad that it's reached this far and I praise God that he has brought it to you. Even if you're listening ironically, at least you're listening. All right. And God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye.